Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. I'm continuing the series of fears. Today I've got Cassandra on the show. Now Cassandra is somebody who I have really thoroughly enjoyed following. She teaches busy, overwhelmed women who want to have it all. Um, and, and we're talking big, juicy lives, how to avoid burning out by making peace with their body, quieting their mind and reconnecting with their soul. She does this by creating holistic rituals, using food, meditation and self-care to create sustainable success and genuine well-being. Her mission is to assist women in tapping back into their body's wisdom so that they can break free from negative self-talk, emotional eating and the endless cycle of exhaustion so many modern women are caught in. She has been dubbed a spiritual leader by Well and Good and is the mindful cooking show host of Eat With Intention TV, which you may know her as and um, have heard of. And so she is basically our happy, healthy living guru. Um, she's doing incredible work and you will see that on, on, on her content and in her content if you follow her. Um, so without further delay, I'd love to welcome her to the show. Well, welcome, Cassandra, to Unplug with Annie. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you because I think your, um, your, the space in which you work is very different to the rest of my guests. And, and it's all about you know, positive body image and, and building a positive relationship with our bodies um, for women primarily. So how, how did you get into this space? Was there, was there a trigger for you, which was a personal experience? Um, which which created this this um, curiosity and passion that you have? Of course, I feel like our our strongest uh, medicine comes from you know what we needed from like our original sickness usually, and so I feel you know since I was five I had a really disordered view of our you know uh, unhealthy view of my body and wanted to change it and never felt comfortable in my own skin. And, you know, from a really early age was very conscious of what I was eating and how much I was exercising and how my body looked compared to other girls' bodies. And, um, and it really took up a great part of my energy and mind space um, until I was in college. And when I was in college, it kind of went, um, off the rails because for the first time I didn't have like my parents watching over me kind of making sure I ate making sure I didn't do anything crazy you know mm -hmm. I was on my own and so I ate very little and worked out all the time and I had this idea in my head that I could make if I could make myself small enough I'd be successful and if I can make myself small enough, then every man would love me, you mm -hmm. know, and that it was like kind of this holy grail of some mythical image that if I could, quote unquote, discipline myself enough to just get there, then everything else would work out. Like that was like the magic sauce. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, we all know that that's not real, mm -hmm. but that's like the mentality that I was in for the longest time. And it wasn't until I got really sick in college um, with food allergies, I ended up getting these like debilitating cramps and like all sorts of funky pains in my body. And I, had, I was so scared. I had no idea what was going on. For the first time in my life, it shifted the way I felt about my body because I started caring 
more about my body's physical health and its well-being mm. and less about, you know, how small it was or the size it fit into. Um, and, and it took a while for us to figure out what was going on. I did a ton of tests um, and no one could figure out what it was. Um, they, they never did, um, honestly. I took it into my own hands and through doing an elimination diet, and eliminating the top eight allergens, eliminating a lot of stuff that I just intuitively felt was not working for my body was how I finally healed myself and stopped all these pains and ended up teaching myself how to cook and developing a different relationship with my body because for the first time in my life, I had the willingness. Mm -hmm. I still had a lot of my old disordered thoughts, but I had a willingness that I, I just sensed that the reason my body was revolting was because of how I treated it and how I had, you know, thought of it all these years and whether or not that that's the case or not, that doesn't really matter. But that was kind of my intuition was like, Oh no, this is the payback. I've been so mean to you for so long and now you're falling apart. And I, I realized how important your well being is. Mm -hmm. um, and so that started my journey and I was in a sorority in college um, and so a lot of my sisters kind of saw what was going on with me and saw, you know, how I was shifting the way I was eating. I was shifting the way I was interacting with food and they encouraged me to start my first blog. Okay. And, <laughs> and that's kind of how it all, it all, you know, kind of manifested out. And I really saw, you know, looking back that that was when, when I got my relationship with my body on the right track, I wouldn't say it was perfect, but I got it on the right track, mm -hmm. then my world opened up. Yeah. Then all of a sudden I was like having more fun with my friends. I was enjoying the men I was dating. I was doing things that were more aligned with a bigger cause and, and being about real business, like focusing on things that were legitimately moving forward a career, moving forward a passion or making an impact in the world instead of, you know, spending all my time just trying to fix this, this problem I thought I had. And, and where did this, where do you feel that fixation on, on your relationship with food came from in, in the negative sense initially? Did, did you feel like it stemmed from a particular source or do you feel like it was being reinforced by a lot of different things around you? I mean, I think it was a lot of things. I think, you know, it's, you know, it's super, it's super easy for anyone to blame their, their mother on that, right? If your mom had a complicated relationship with her body, but I mean, what woman doesn't have a complicated relationship with her body? So like, can, we can we really fault them for not being, you know, I think you could be so conscious and still have that. So I think I'm sure my mom definitely has a complicated relationship with her body. She doesn't have an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's definitely that. And um, I remember, distinctly remember when I was in kindergarten, when they weighed us in school, they like lined us up and weighed us at the nurse's office. Mm -hmm. And that's when, that's like the first trigger I remember of having a number assigned to me. Mm. and then like going back with my friends and being like, what's your number? What's your number? Right. And there was already at that age, this like kind of Comparison. consciousness that the smallest number was the best number. 
Yeah. Um, and I remember being, this is so crazy, but I distinctly remember like finding out that I was five pounds <laughs> more than my best friend and being, oh no, something's wrong with me. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I think it gets reinforced. You know, I was an actress in my first life, so to speak. Um, when I was in middle school and high school and, and college, I went to college for acting. And you looked at, you know, when you look at the tabloids or you look at leading ladies, I mean, I literally had in college, this was in college when I was in the height of my eating disorder, mm -hmm. had one of my acting professors look at me and tell the classroom that I was the example of voluptuous. Wow. Right? Wow. And, you know, I, I have, I have, you know, boobs and a butt, but, but that's, <laughs> but I would, I would in no way, um, even today really consider myself very voluptuous, you know, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm a tall kind of like, you know, uh, that's just like how my body type is, right? It's more of like this kind mm -hmm. of like long tree-like shape. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, like it's interesting because voluptuous can be, I mean, for a lot of women, it, it, it's quite a compliment because, or maybe it, it's today that that is seen as beautiful and it's embraced yeah. celebrities. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you have like someone like Scarlett Johansson, right? which is also a very small individual, but has like, you know, has the voluptuous, the Aphrodite bod, let's call yeah. it, right? Yeah. Like the Aphrodite yeah. bod. And, um, and it was interesting because the context it was used in, you know, in that class was not necessarily positive. Hmm. Um, and also, I think it's really kind of a, a mind F, you know, to first of all, for any older man to feel like he has the right to label a woman's body. But yeah, but it was kind of like this, this pressure of like, oh, well, you know, if you want to be a leading lady, then you have to be this certain size or smaller than this or whatnot. And, um, and then looking at like, you know, at the time I used to read like Us Weekly and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you would have like a lot of these celebrities that were that were featured were also very real thin, um, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah, so yeah, no. so I think it's a lot, there's a lot of factors working against us. And I think that even like, I'm so grateful for all the, you know, for campaigns uh, that we're starting to see now that show real women's bodies. Yeah. Because I think that that is going to be essential for the generation below us. Yeah. to grow up with, to be able to see an underwear ad and see a body that looks like their moms, you know, yeah. and see a body that looks like their teachers, you know, and like real women's bodies. And, you know, but, but for every, for every ad like that, there's still probably, there's still 15 of, of, you know, women that, that are not that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, Absolutely. I mean, I can completely relate uh, being an actor as well. I understand like the, the pressure is immense and it's very rare that you still, though there's a representation now, it's still the majority is it, it, the majority and, and it feels like the demand most of the time is to look a certain way for sure. Do you think there's a reason that women specifically suffer from eating disorders a lot more than men? I mean, I know men can suffer from it, but yeah. um, it seems to, I mean, it's not, so spoken about what, what why do you think the reason is for that 
Well, I think because fundamentally, and I'm not saying this is correct, <laughs> but I don't necessarily agree with it, That's but men are kind of programmed from an early age that their value is connected to the amount of money they can make, the amount, you know, like how high they can climb the ladder or like what they can do in that world professionally. Mm -hmm. So I think you see a similar addictive behavior in a lot of men that mm -hmm. associate their worth with how much money they can make, how hard they can work. And it's a similar kind of uh, thing because women even though now on our own accord, because we want to make a difference. I think oftentimes when you see a woman that's extremely successful, it's because she's extremely driven to make a massive impact, right? Yeah. And while, of course, I'm not saying that women don't love money or want all of that, but I think our fundamental drives are different in that area. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I think um, is programmed to us is that one of our values is beauty, right? We bring the beauty in yeah. society, mm -hmm. right? And in a way that that is, if you look back to like ancient times, like ancient Greece, right? And like these goddesses and, and kind of the way women were, you're, you, you just had to be beautiful and magical and like enchanting, right? Yeah. And it was celebrated and it wasn't like, oh, you're only beautiful, magical, enchanting if you're 100 pounds or whatever it is, you know? It was like, right. whatever you were, if you just freaking owned it, yeah. you were as a woman beautiful and mm -hmm. that was part of your currency mm -hmm. is your beauty um but i think what's kind of happened in, in more recent times is that we've kind of instead of celebrating the fact that every woman is beautiful and what makes a woman beautiful is how confident she is in her skin how radiant she is how in tune with herself she is like her mm -hmm. being a centered spiritual goddess which is what they celebrated a lot of the times um we've kind of created this false ideal of, well, if you look like Giselle or whatever, you know, then that's beauty. And so I think it affects women more because societally, we put more value on a woman to be beautiful, which is kind of like, you know, we saw that whole, it was like the best, like most ridiculous example of it was when we had that moment a couple years ago when everybody was like, we're like the dad bod was hot. I don't know if you remember that, but it was right. like this thing where like everyone was like, oh, having a dad bod is so hot, right? And I was like, that would never like, <laughs> it would never happen in reverse, you know? Like, it's like, because it's okay. Like if a guy is sweet and, you know, has a good job or whatever, it's okay if like he doesn't take that great care of himself or if he's like a little sloppy or whatever. Right. Um, and... And it's just so interesting how I think that that actually reverberates much louder, right? Like you often will see a woman that's very like put together and like takes extraordinary care with herself um, mm. more often than not with a man that may be less so. Yeah. It's no. less of a priority. Yeah, it's very interesting. So tell us a little bit about this five-day body challenge that you're currently doing. I know the audience are going to listen to this much later, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're, all, you're always up to something. So it's yeah. good to know. Well, I'm going to try to. I'm doing it as we're recording this. I'm going to do a live version of it um, this Monday. But what I'm going to try to do after that, so whenever you guys are listening to this, Mm -hmm. is set it up so that you can do it whenever you want and you'll be getting you'll get the whole it's like five days worth of 
um, it's like a five day little master class, I would consider it in connecting to your body. And what it is for me is like a jumpstart gift to anyone that is ready to shift the way they feel about their body and get really honest. We, in the five days, each day you have like a little assignment. So you get really honest about how you feel about your body, how it's sabotaging you, how it holds you back, right? Which is a hard thing to do, mm-hmm. first of all, right? But that's one of the most important things. Like when I work with a woman one-on-one, that's the most important thing for us to get to because unless you, most women don't want to realize or accept or sit with how much this actually affects their life. Yeah. How much this like kind of insidious, like undermining energy um, sabotages them from, you know, leaning in in the office and speaking in front of people, meeting that new person, whatever it is. Um, so we get clear on that. And then it's a different meditations, uh, journaling prompts and visualizations to help you make amends with your body, make peace for some of the negativity, connect to the awe and reverence and the magic that is inside of your body. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, you're really able to sit in your body. Um, and there's a visualization um, at the end where you get to feel what it feels like to feel like a goddess inside of your body and to feel that radiant and that magnetism and that confidence, because that's what I want women to experience. Because I think a lot of women don't even connect with the possibility of how that feels like, yeah. right? And the truth is a lot of you know, that's for me, I've seen in my career and all aspects of my career and my personal life, that that is the secret sauce. Mm -hmm. When I'm connected to my inner goddess, when I feel radiant and confident and magnetic in my body, that energy just like emanates. That energy makes people want to work with me, you know, makes, you know, my man want to be around me and do whatever I want, (laughs) you know, like, that energy, it even attracts, it attracts other women too, right? Because yeah. it's like this beautiful vortex uh, that, that so many of us aren't activating. And especially as women, it's kind of like the flip side of the coin. And in a way, <laughs> I, I don't like to get into this too much, but, um, but I feel like in a way that's kind of like the patri- patriarchy has tried to steal it from us, right? Because mm-hmm. they're terrified of how powerful we are if we can actually turn that light on. Right. Because when we turn that light on, they don't like hold a candle to what we can do, mm-hmm. right? But if we're too busy counting calories, we're too busy feeling like, oh, well, I don't look good enough in this dress to make that presentation, or I don't feel, I don't feel like I look like the CEO, or I don't look like the whatever person that you're, you know, striving to be mm-hmm. yet. I need to go to the gym more. I need to be keto more. I need to do whatever you want to do more Then they're oppressing us in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. When we realize that we're already radiant and beautiful and perfect and all that other stuff, you know, we are meant to be, we are meant to glow. We are meant to have vitality. We're meant to feel good. We're meant to have beautiful bodies, right? But we need to connect to the truth of that first. And then the other stuff falls into place. You know, it's not like you feel that way. And then all of a sudden you like go, you know, binge on fast food or eat donuts. No, when you feel like a goddess in your body, then you also start to feed it and take care of it in a healthy way and a more 
balanced way Yeah, <laughs> because it's just coming from that place of I have this divine machine and I'm going to put, I'm only going to put high quality food in it because I respect it. Yeah. So it's almost like reprogramming uh, into a different mindset, essentially relearning and reprogramming. So is there, is there any advice that you can give in terms of for anybody listening, wanting to embark on this new journey or tap into that mindset of certain things that they could be doing on a daily basis, at least, you know, certain baby steps that they could possibly start with. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the, the easiest things you can do, and I think it is important for you to do something on a daily basis, mm. um, is when you're washing yourself in the shower, or if you have a practice of putting on lotion or oil or whatever it is in the morning, um, to just take that conscious moment to think your body as you're putting whatever on, as you're putting your face cream, like, thank you, you know, thank you to this beautiful skin all over my face as you're putting on your arms. And you just say, thank you. Thank you for working today. You know, thank you for allowing me to show up today Um, and get into that practice of just having gratitude for the capabilities that your physical body allows you to do. Because if you start from that, we can all cultivate authentic gratitude when we get into the fact that, wow, I'm so, I'm grateful that my hands can, you know, go back and forth like this and I can grab my coffee and I can grab my phone and I can do whatever I want with my hands. You know, I'm grateful that my, you know, that my, um, my intestines are digesting, you know, that that works. How cool is it that that works? That I don't have to think about that, that my heart is beating. So I think, I think sometimes having a guided meditation is helpful when you're kicking it off because, um, Sometimes it's hard for you to naturally think about all of these things. Um, and so I created that for a lot of my clients like forever ago. It's actually in, um, I have a book called Eat With Intention. So it's, it's yeah. in this book okay, um, great. as well as like 75 different meditations. But it's easier sometimes just to like plug something into your earbuds and listen to it because that was one of the biggest things that shifted things for me was actually like, looking up like how many cells are in our body and like all these like different like processes that go on and connecting to my heartbeat and and all of these things which depending on where you're at right now um on your journey may be easier or harder to think of on your own yeah (laughs) Um, so doing something like that and then another really simple thing you can do is just start asking your body what it wants Mm-hmm. So just taking um, a moment, this is another thing that I make all my clients do that at first always drives them insane. Um, but it, you know, just taking that moment when you wake up with yourself and, you know, putting like a hand on your heart, a hand on your navel and just asking, what does my body need today? What does my body want today? And honoring whatever you hear and honoring if you don't hear anything, just know, knowing that you open up the phone line. You know, you like let your body know that like, hey, I'm paying attention. You don't have anything for me right now. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of times you'll do that and like you'll hear yoga or maybe you'll hear water, you know, like I've literally done it and sometimes I'll hear potatoes, you know, (laughs) and it'll be so random, but it's such a beautiful exercise to just, just honor it, whatever it is, just honor it. Um, And to get into that habit of just communicating with it, giving it a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because I feel like that is a step towards reverence and respect, right? Is to actually being like, I'm not going to pretend that, you know, somebody I watched on TV or something I read in a magazine knows better than this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like there's so much focus on balance, but I, I, I just find that word so scary because it's just like, you know, what, what is that? Because I feel, especially with food and, and our bodies, I just feel like so many people struggle because I, so many friends who aren't into acting or professions which require them to look a certain way just do not feel motivated. And they either say it's always an extreme where either like really motivated and at that point going every day or it's just not happening at all. There's no, there's no middle, there's no middle point yeah. driving me. So I, I mean, I feel like that just doesn't exist. So there's no such thing as balance. It's more about relate relationship is what you're essentially saying. I literally have a, a section in the book that's called balance is bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Because yeah. I remember when I was writing it, I was like, I have to talk about this because it's such, it's such bullshit. Um, I think, life in general i think about this with food i think about this with your work i think yeah. about this with like time management with everything life is like a wave right mm-hmm. it's it's ebbs and flows and it's honoring it's different seasons and it's honoring you know where you're at in the wave right now yeah and where what season you're at and honoring what you need on all the levels in that season. And there's going to be, and the same thing goes for your food and for your workout or for whatnot, you know, like right now I'm in, I'm in a a season of like recuperation. (laughs) Right. And so my workouts look a little lot gentler, you know, they look more like yoga and Pilates and lots of time in the sauna and steam room. And my food looks a lot cleaner, right? Okay. Because I'm, I'm making sure I'm not doing anything that's inflaming my many allergies, right? right? There are also seasons, right? Like where, you know, I came off a season of traveling a lot and eating whatever I wanted, not like whatever I wanted, but like eating a lot more really? than I usually do at home because I'm experiencing these beautiful new cultures and new foods and working out a lot less because I'm just walking around, you know, mm-hmm. in Europe. And, and it's honoring that. It's not like freaking out because, you know, oh, like there's not a, you know, I'm not, I don't want to go to the gym in my hotel in Israel or wherever I am. Right. It's like, yeah. it's okay. Like you're, yeah. you're in Israel, like go for a walk, <laughs> you right. know, right. you know, and, and so I think sometimes we get, so we're either like, well, I either have to be like super hardcore and be like, paleo or keto or whole 30 or whatever the like whatever you want to your thing is um and i have to work out my 45 minutes a day or whatever it is and then we break it once and we're like oh well now i, I ruined everything mm. you know mm. Keto is a perfect example of this because literally you break it once and, and you do kind of ruin the thing um <laughs> which yeah. is a very bad pattern yeah yeah um, and so but in general we need to we need to get to a place where we can like honor those ebbs and flows. Yeah. And absolutely. right now in this season, maybe right now you're in a season of like loving your daily ritual of going to the gym and you're making your smoothie and like that's the season you're in right now. And that's like energizing you. And then maybe you fall in love 
And maybe all of a sudden now you're sleeping in a few mornings, right? <laughs> right. And you're having pasta some nights and, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's like also just honoring that, okay, this is the season I'm in right now. And trusting that your body will guide you back. Yeah. yeah. Right? And that's the thing is like, if you honor, if you're actually listening to your body, I think that's when we see the extremism um, is because we're not actually listening to our body. Because True. I think if we honor it, like, how, I don't, I, I would venture to say almost everyone, if you went out and had, let's say, like some decadent, like Italian feast with mm. a few glasses of wine and you had tiramisu for dessert or whatever you did, like you went out, right? The next morning you wake up and you either one will probably naturally not want a big breakfast. Yeah, right? of course. You're yeah. probably going to want to move your stuff. Your body actually has a really good recalibration muscle for that. It's often just that we don't listen to it. True. Right? True. True. And I think, and I think with so many diets out there, it's just so, um, it, it, it's very specific, I guess, as to how many meals perhaps we should be eating a day. And like you said, that necessarily isn't the season we're in. Um, well, yeah. yeah. I think you also have to ask yourself what's most supportive for you, yeah. you know? And I think that's a big, uh, that's a big point of contention because it's like, you know, when I was recovering from a lot of my disordered stuff, that one of the most life-saving things was literally just having three meals a day. Like I just yeah. committed to meals a day because I wasn't eating three meals a day you know right. so committing to having three normal meals you know just like normal meals yeah. Yeah. a day was so grounding mm -hmm. and so balancing for me and to this day if I'm going through a period of like you know things being crazy with work or travel or whatnot when my life kind of feels a little chaotic if I just stick to my three meals, right? And not eat, like, for me specifically, eating like a bunch of little, sometimes people can eat like mini meals here and there and like pick throughout the day. And that works for some people. Mm -hmm. For me, that feels really ungrounding, True. right? And having like my three staple meals can ground me in a time where I feel a little crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of honoring that and being like, okay, maybe you are, if you're in a season where having the five mini meals works for your life right now and makes you, helps you get the kids to soccer practice and helps you, you know, be able to like run back and forth and stuff like that, then yes, good. That's perfect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think that that's the thing is that we need to start taking our power back around all of this. True. We need to start realizing that yeah, there are some great studies and there's a lot of nutrition information out there and you can find out, you know, but I also think, I know that whoever's listening to this and I know that people that follow me too, it's like, these are smart, savvy people, right? You know, eat organic, you know, you know, not to eat processed junk, you know, not yeah. to eat fast food, you're not eating fast food because you think it's good for you, True. you know, you're not reaching for the cupcake because you feel like that's going to be a great nutritional choice. You know, yeah. we yeah. know, we yeah. know what it is. It's just about then honoring ourselves enough to make the decision that we need in that moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you, you meant, so you mentioned kids, which takes me very nicely to the next question. Um, <laughs> now, th 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 this whole thing around kids and having kids, I just think it's, it's, it's so much pressure for a woman anyway. Um, and now we, we have all these 
celebrities who um, we model, who uh, inspire us, who we look up to, who are like losing baby weight super fast, looking like they've just never had a child in their lives. And, and people, I don't want to even say normal because that sounds absurd, but, um, but for everybody else, that's just even more pressure. Like, you know, the how and how is that possible? Or um, I think, I, I think kind of justifying it by, okay, they can do this because they have a cook and, a, you know, they have access to a gym, they have a personal trainer, they have all of these things. But what about everyone else? Um, how can women who are going through this major change, even with their bodies, just find that, I, I guess, that peace with the process of, of transformation? Um, because I think that's tricky. And I have a lot of friends who are in that stage as well at the moment. And for them, it was that initial sort of like, am I ready for this? Oh, my God, my body's going to change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I think there is, uh, I haven't had a kid yet. Um, but there's, I've had a lot of girlfriends that have had that, have had babies. And one of the first things they said is like, holy F, no one warns you for how weird it is seeing your body grow so fast. Like nobody mentally prepares you for that, which in and of itself is challenging for a woman. Even if you know, like there's a baby in there, right? But it's like all of a sudden, you're, it's almost like your body's not your own anymore. And it's like, it's doing its own thing. And we completely lost control of it, which is why most of us have our eating stuff to begin with, right? Because we want the control. True. And so complete surrender, because now this much bigger than you process is going on. And I think it's one thing, it's, you know, I think, one thing when you're, when the baby's still inside, right? And I think that's a beautiful time. And I've, I've worked with a lot of clients in that stage where they can connect to loving and honoring. And I mean, that's the time when you especially, and afterwards, of course, too, but during the motherhood journey, it's like that alone, like keep connecting to that awe and reverence for what your body is doing right now. Like honoring what your body is doing right now. Your body is literally creating a human, right? And then afterwards, your body created a human and pushed it out or got it out somehow, you know? Like yeah. you held a human and now that's a big thing. Mm. And I do agree that it's really hard because you look in the media and you don't see real examples of what that looks like. And you know what, for the maybe the handful of celebrities that have a more quote-unquote normal thing, you see them get berated for still like having the baby weight on or like so-and-so is just staying hefty or whatever. Like it's horrible, horrible Mm -hmm. how, you know, the the celebrities that don't snap back five seconds get berated as well. Um, I think that's really where I've seen recently, I think where – a lot of bloggers and mommy Instagrammers or whatnot are stepping up to the plate. Um, I've seen recently a lot of accounts popping up showing, actually just the other day I was randomly, I don't know how I came across this, but I was like, yes, I love this woman. And she was showing like, she was like, this is what a real postpartum belly looks like. And this is six months postpartum or whatever it was, right? It wasn't like right after. She was like, I've been taking care of my baby. I'm like handling stuff. Like I, I, you know, my body is not what it was before and nobody warned you for that. Mm -hmm. And I think every woman's body is different, right? So every woman's body is going to bounce back differently and have different ebbs and flow based on where you were even before 
you had a baby, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the the most important thing is daily connecting to the miracle of the baby, the miracle that your body gave birth to this, the miracle that your body was able to, you know, hold it for nine months, push it out, like getting back into gratitude for what your body did, because we so easily forget that. Because it's now, it doesn't look like a Victoria's Secret model at the moment, you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, can you, like you just did an awesome thing, you know? Yeah. And, and connecting to that and then getting to that place. I think one of the reasons a lot of women also struggle after having a baby. And like I said, I say this not having a baby. So this is just from my clients and stuff knowing. So I don't want to pretend to know what that's like yet, but but I know from my clients, one of the things that happens is that they start putting themselves on the back burner. They become like the last on the list. Like the baby becomes number one, the husband becomes number two. If they have a job, then it's somewhere in that, that mix mm-hmm. as well. They're trying to figure out how to get themselves ready to go back to work or how to juggle that with a newborn, you know, juggling who's helping take care of the newborn. Like all of these other things become first. And then they're like the afterthought. Yeah. So half the time it's either... Like I've heard they forget to eat or they're eating like scrap, like they're eating kind of like leftovers from whatever they're making for everyone else. And they, they prioritize themselves last. And so I think that's also a big thing that needs to shift, mm-hmm. right? It's like, of course, you just had a baby, your baby's newborn, that's going to be your number one priority, right? But we also have to factor in ourselves, right? That baby needs mom to be with it. right? That baby needs mom to feel her best. So, you know, a lot of my girlfriends that are in the like wellness space, what they have done, which I think is brilliant is when they were pregnant, they, they froze like a bunch of different meals for them. They froze like soups and like different, like easy things. So that like in those first couple of months, they could heat up and have like real healthy stuff or had, you know, lucky enough to like I said, the celebrity, a lot of these celebrities, they do, you can't compare themselves. You can't compare yourself to that because, you know, they do have people making their meals. They do have someone as soon as they're able to exercise, giving the baby to a nanny and taking them to the gym. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is you also have to sit with that as a mom on your own journey and decide what's, what's valuable to you. Right. What's important to you. I think, that we're so lucky we live now in the age of like all of these little meal delivery services like mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Freshly and Hello for I don't even know. <laughs> but there's yeah. a ton of them, right? Sure. That are like a little bit more reasonable for the ev- everyday person. Sure. Even if you get like one meal a day delivered so that you can know that you're getting like one solid meal if you're not able to cook. I think yeah. you also just have to prioritize your well-being. Sure. Um while, while being, you know, like I said, while giving yourself that grace, yeah. while giving yourself that grace. And I think that's the balance again of listening to your body, you know, mm-hmm. and fueling it in a way that's going to make it feel its best. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. So is there one thing, what do you do every day? I mean, mental health is another big, big topic I'm interested in speaking a lot to people about that and self-love and uh, all of these things. I, I mean, I'm glad that it's been spoken about. It's great. Um, is there something that you specifically do for you? Would it be would it be that meditation that you prioritize every single day, or if not, the workout or whatever it is? Is there one thing that you really commit to doing every day for your own mental health? Yeah, I definitely meditate every day for my mental health, and then I also do EFT pretty much every day. 
Um, okay. And that's been, you know, I've been meditating for years. And so that is something that is like, I don't even want to know the person I'd be if I didn't meditate. <laughs> I know. I tell you what, after like, after hearing about it from so many, even get, like guests on the show, I started doing it. And then life has been absolutely crazy in this last month and I've stopped doing it. And I just said to a friend today, I need to start doing it again because I noticed a little bit of a difference and it's just that routine's just gone and I just feel like completely all over the place. Oh my God. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm a big believer that we, you know, we create a container for expansion so we want to do big things in our life. We want to hold a lot of stuff in our life. We want to hold the, the family and the friends and the career and like all the things, right? We have to like open up our bandwidth for it. And, uh, you know, nutrition and taking care of yourself is a huge part of that. But meditation, I think, is like the number one thing you can do to expand your bandwidth. And mm -hmm. so for me, I see that as how I show up for not my my relationships and my work every day and my mental health of course but that's kind of again mental health is is everything sure. right like mental health and physical health is everything if you don't have either if either one of those drop then it doesn't matter if you have doesn't matter if you have money it doesn't matter if you have like all the you could have all the other things but if you lose one of those then you pretty much lose it all yeah right no, absolutely and so I think it's so important, um, especially if you have, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of the women that I'm sure both of us attract are what I call Wonder Woman, right? Where you, you want to do it all. You want to have it all and you, you know, you want it delivered and you want to, you want to be exceptional. Mm -hmm. And I think meditation is the best way to be able to hold that and not lose your mind um, <laughs> and not get overwhelmed or anxious. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then EFT has also been really helpful for me, which is tapping. Okay. Um, and that just helps you similarly release energy and like reprogram beliefs. Wow. Okay. Well, it's just, it's been so amazing chatting to you. Um, your book is available everywhere. Is it available online? So that's Eat With Intention. Um, so, and people can reach out to you. And of course, I'm going to be tagging you in, in, in the graphics and everything else. But the last question on this series that I'm asking everybody is, um, because I think it's important and I don't think we do it enough, especially as women, is one thing that you love about yourself. Ooh. Um, I feel like I love my, um, like this is like going to be really inarticulate, but I, I love, <laughs> I love, my, I love how, I love how naturally magical I am. I feel okay. like I have a natural, I have a natural magical tendency and yeah. I see the world through magical tinted glasses since I was little. And I think that's one of my favorite things about myself. Oh, that's lovely. That's great. It's so nice. I'm glad like I'm, I'm getting all, every woman so far has been quite like, they know exactly what it is. And that's amazing. Like it's, 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 <laughs> it's a great thing. That means that everybody is doing a lot of self-reflection and um, it, it's nice. It's, it's really nice to see that. I think it's, it's really helpful to have, you know, a, a few things in your back pocket that you really love about yourself. True. So that you, when you have those days where you're, which we all have, right? Where you're feeling like crap about yourself or something kind of hits you below the belt or, you know, something happens. 
Um, I think being able to tune into those things and being able to say, hey, you know, maybe I'm not like, I'm not the most organized person in the world, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, would I trade the how magical I am for being more organized? Not in a million years, you know? And then when you put it in that perspective, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm still going to try to like be organized and be like, you know, an adult and stuff like that. But, you know, but, but you can love on the qualities that you do have strong. And I think when you can lean on those qualities that you love about yourself, it actually helps you tackle the ones that maybe you don't have that strong. You know, maybe you're not naturally clean or organized or whatever it is, you know, you can be like, oh, okay, that's fun. But, you know, uh, maybe I'm not that, but I'm, I'm really this and I love that about myself. So it's okay. I can cut myself some slack in this area and like yeah. not be so hard on myself if I'm not perfect there. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's so true. Well, it was, yeah, it was so amazing having this chat. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great. Oh, good. And, and we shall keep in touch. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else you're up to. And I'm sure everyone else is too. Yes, for sure. Great. Thank you. Thanks, love. That was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. I'm continuing the series of Fierce next week where I'm talking to another amazing woman and I can't wait for you guys to hear the whole series, so do stay tuned. For everything Unplug related, do follow the IG and Facebook page at the rate Unplug with Annie. You can also go to the website www.unplugwithannie.com and subscribe to the newsletter so you're constantly updated with what's going on on the blog as well as the podcast. Until next week.